the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. I hope your Sunday is going well. And thank you again for all of your comments on social media. I really appreciate it. And I hope that this show is always uplifting for you, as well as educational and inspiring. So we're talking today about an ongoing, enduring topic that I have really worked on my whole entire career. And this is this idea of relationship, dependency, codependency, interdependency, independency, counterdependence, whatever it is. And see, the reason that I think it's important to talk about it is because it affects the way we relate so much, this dependency issue. And one of the things that's really important about this is to recognize that all mammals are dependent in one way or another. And so the dependency isn't the problem. It's how I'm doing the dependency. And this is why I want you to think about the best way to learn relationship is certainly from the master. This is God. He's the master relator of all. He's the ultimate relator. He knows how to do it perfectly. He doesn't lose himself in the process, nor is he controlled or anxious or worried when he has to say no. He's sure when he says no, maybe he'll negotiate. We see that at different times, that God's negotiated some things. So we know God's not codependent. He's not counterdependent. He's certainly independent, but he's also interdependent. And this interdependency issue is one of the most really interesting, probably concepts of relationship that you could look into. And it's also the one 
that if we are able to do interdependency, gives us the most satisfaction in our relationships. See, it's paramount that we understand that to be human is to be in relationship, and relationship always means depending. And so it's the type of dependence that we want to look at. So humans are made to relate. They become very sick. They can even die if they don't relate. Think about the worst that anyone could ever do to a prisoner is to put him in solitary confinement for the rest of his life. See, even if he has to be jailed, if he's, in, if he's with the, the regular population, he at least has something to relate to, even if it's fighting. So what happens when we don't relate and see the relating process helps us to do the correct type of dependency. So if we don't relate, we have what we call failure to thrive. And we see this with little babies. If they're not looked at, touched, talked to, encouraged, they fail to thrive. How about relating obviously doesn't always mean it's positive. How many people do you know have an incredibly toxic relationship with someone, but they would rather have that toxic relationship than have nothing? So it's impossible not to relate. You see, we even relate to inanimate objects. We relate to people we don't even know, such as workers, helpers, TV personalities. Like, we think we know these people, right? Do you relate to your pets? How about do you relate to your car? Do you have, have you named your car? So humans have this tendency to want to make every object animate instead of inanimate. And so this is what we are made to the very core of our being. And so we realize that this idea of relating is just the way that we're made. And so what we find is that this codependent relationship certainly may keep us alive, but it doesn't cause us to thrive at all. And codependent relationships steal our identity, steal our energy, our sense of well-being, our sense of self-worth, our hope, our sense of control over our own lives, and even can steal our own self-confidence. And at the same time, I have a really difficult time getting people to leave codependent relationships. So let's, let's look for a minute at the different types <coughs> of dependency. And just, just to kind of get an idea about what those are. So the part of developing an identity, we all experience these different phases of dependency, like how much we depend on others for help. And so if we do these phases in a healthy manner, what we see is that we get to this last one, which is interdependence. So we first start with dependence. And we all need and want help when we are little kiddos. We are dependent. If we don't have someone to depend on, we will end up dying. So dependency is a very important part of human development. So any of you that have been in therapy before or, or are doing that, one of the things that we work on is this dependency piece. Can my clients depend on me? Now, I don't want them depending for the rest of their life. But part of healing 
part of learning who you are, part of gaining the appropriate self-worth and confidence is being able to depend on someone to meet needs that you have while you're not necessarily meeting their needs. So being dependent means that you depend on me and I depend on somebody else. I don't depend on the person depending on me. And you might see this in families when we have parents depending on their kids to be successful so they feel good about themselves. Now, we do see our parents maybe becoming more dependent the older they become. That's a natural process, a natural part of the cycle. So what's counterdependence? Well, counterdependence says, I know that I need help, but I'm resisting it. I'm too afraid to actually get the help. So counterdependence means I'm counteracting the ability for myself to actually depend on someone. And maybe it's because I don't know a safe person. Maybe I've been hurt, burned, wounded, misled, taken advantage of by someone that I depended on. So I vowed to myself I would never depend on a person again. So I become counterdependent, which affects your ability to relate tremendously. Counterdependency means that you shut the door to so many things that humans do together and that the two are better than one. So if we move out of counterdependence, which is a lot of what happens in my office, people come in and they say, well, I'm not going to depend on this, but I just need some help. I say, okay. And we work through that so that be, being dependent isn't a negative. Being dependent on me helps to heal a whole lot of wounds that that client may have come into the office with. It's not being dependent as if you can't manage your life at all. It means that you finally have someone that's on your side. You finally have someone that's thinking about you. That I'm not trying to get needs met from my clients because I want them to go from counterdependence to independence. So what does independence really mean? Well, it means that I'm self-sufficient and I don't really need a whole lot of help. So if I don't have help available, I'll figure it out. That's independency, that I will be okay even if no one helps me. But the nice thing is, when I become interdependent, it means that two are better than one for their labor. So my husband does a lot of things for me that I can do for myself, but it certainly is nice that he does it. And I do the same for him. So an interdependent relationship helps carry the burden. It means that we don't have to work as hard. So we get more done, and we enjoy it much better, and we have a better results. So when you think about your relationships, all the different relationships that you have, I want you to consider which one is this relationship. How, how do I relate with my uh, parents? If I'm a grown adult with my own family, how do I relate to my parents? How do I relate to my spouse? How do I relate with my kids? What do I do with the, the people at work? How about my neighbors? How about my pastor? How about my doctor? My financial advisor? So think about these things when you are assessing your relationship. Do you have some counterdependency? 
Are you resisting someone that's really trying to help you? But you just don't want to be needy, and you don't want to feel indebted to them. So you're countering their efforts at helping you. So think about, where did I learn these things? How did I become counterdependent? How did I jump from dependency to independency? How did I do that? Who helped me do that? And where am I now with being interdependent? Am I allowing people to be a part of my life and helping me with certain things, even if I can do them, just so that my life is easier? Just so that I don't have so much to bear? So where does this leave, that, leave us here? Where does it leave us? If we don't know how to do these things well, we end up having difficulty with identity. And so we need to develop a healthy identity in order to have healthy intimacy and to really be what God has truly created us to be. Otherwise, I'm going to be searching outside of myself for approval, validation, security, and I will be codependent or counterdependent. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about relationships. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And today we're talking about the issue of relationship. And in relationship is always dependency. So we're talking about these different types of dependencies. Which ones are healthy, which ones are not, why we may do it. And so we talked about dependent, independent, interdependent, and counterdependent or codependent. And I'm sure you've heard the term codependent. So the primary characteristics of codependency, really what I want you to understand, it's always about pain management. It's being a little kid in a very big world. It's looking through life through the eyes of a child in a lot of ways. I'm not saying it's immature. I'm saying it's just extremely vulnerable. And so there's a warped sense of responsibility when we see people that struggle with um, codependency. They kind of don't know where the other ends and I begin. So they get confused about their identity in some ways. And I, I think that they many times feel like they have more power than they actually do, or they feel that they have less power than they actually do. And they typically are thinking that your feelings about me affect my world, affect my image, affect my own self-worth and self-esteem. And I have a difficult time probably having fun. So there's also a lack of objectivity. And so when we look at inner child issues and we see how a child sees the world, the people that struggle with codependency may make really small things very, very big. And the big things they really minimize. And so codependency causes us to feel controlled and needing to control. So we feel controlled by the external world. And we feel like we need to control it. And this is where we get a lot of image management, where it makes it very unsafe to be honest, because we're wanting to manage what somebody sees or thinks about us in order to secure that little kid inside of us. 
So we might be hypersensitive to criticism. We might lack some self-confidence. We might have difficulty with decision-making. And we'll feel like I can't please you and me at the same time. So I struggle with decision-making. So there's lots of anxiety many times with codependency. I'm constantly seeking approval and affirmation. And I might even compromise and betray myself in order to get that approval or affirmation. So I might have confusion and a sense of inadequacy. Like I never really think I do enough, even if I do way more than everybody else does. So I might have a tendency to look for others to maybe fix me or care about me. If I didn't get that when I was growing up, then I end up being a little kid in a big body. And I'm somehow wanting somewhere, somehow, somebody to love me just for who I am and to feel secure that they're not going to hurt me. And I want you to not feel any embarrassment or upset or judgment if you feel those ways. We, we all feel that to some degree. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I want you to think about one of the things that, that we have inside of us is an inner child. We know this. So if we're not caring for that inner child, who is? And the hardest part about growing up is that we may have to grieve the fact that we never got what we needed when we were a little kiddo. We may not ever have gotten any of those needs met. And we are then left with needing to do it ourselves. And that can feel lonely, and it can feel very sad. And so there also might be some rigidity or this need to control just so that I can at least feel a little safe. I might struggle with physical illnesses, depression, high blood pressure, backaches, headaches, because maybe I'm supplementing all of my emotions to my body, so my body is expressing my emotions. So think about this. When we understand that there are some things that kind of define this codependency issue, and understand again that many times if someone struggles with codependency, they want to do counterdependency, thinking that they'll become independent. So many times codependency causes us to think that other people's needs are more important than mine. And I might believe it's very, very selfish to take care of myself. So I might not talk, I don't trust, and I don't feel. I just try to not have a feeling. I try not to say the wrong thing. And I really don't trust people, especially myself. And if I do not take care of someone else, bad things will happen to me. So I always have to make sure that all the people in my life are okay. Because if they're not okay, then I'm not going to be okay. So as you think about this, I want you to recognize again that relationships are unavoidable. However, healthy relationships are possible and unhealthy relationships are avoidable. So we can have successful relationships and we can do this without as much work as we may think we need to do that. So in Genesis chapter 2 verse 10, God said it's not good. It's not good for men to be alone. Now, I want you to think about this. Adam, Adam and Eve, it, it was perfect when God stated this. 
And Adam had a perfect relationship with God. And God still said it wasn't good for him to be alone. So it's easy to understand why it's so painful when our relationships are unsuccessful. We're created as relational beings. And we have an instinctual longing. It's very natural and necessary for our emotional health to be in relationship. So when God introduced Adam to his first relationship, this is outside of himself, everything was perfect. So we can conclude that having a successful relationship with yourself and God is imperative for healthy relationships outside of God and yourself. So when we think about this idea of relating and intimacy, I want you to understand that relating is the understanding of knowledge. It results in a connection that's either positive or negative, and it's with or without an agreement. Relating to something says how many points do we have that match? Intimacy, on the other hand, intimacy is being known and really truly knowing someone. So the relating process is intended to create intimacy. This is where it kind of starts to break down. And this is where it gets a little bit crazy. So recognizing that relationships are unavoidable, you want to think about the fact that relationships, though, can be positive or negative. It's up to us to determine whether or not to put the effort into creating that positive relationship dynamic with any given individual. So knowing that relationships are unavoidable, we have the choice as to whether they're going to be positive or negative. See, even if someone is negatively relating to me, I can still do me differently. I don't have to fall into negativity with them. I can set those healthy boundaries, and I can be determined to be who I truly am and not let them cause me to adjust and change myself to be close to them. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about relationships are unavoidable and those different types of dependencies. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about a very prolific topic, which is dependency and codependency and interdependency and counterdependency, right? Because there is all these types of dependencies. And unfortunately, dependency gets a really bad like, I don't know, it gets a bad name. And what you have to understand is that we are all dependent. We, we cannot not depend. So the dependency piece is really about how, how healthy we do this issue of dependency. So like we said in the last segment, relationships are unavoidable. It, it is impossible to not relate. So even if you were the only person on the planet, all by yourself, you still would have to be relating to you. So there is no way around relationship. We're going to either have them in a healthy manner or an unhealthy manner. So successful relationships 
are make our lives just amazing, make our lives worth living. But unhealthy and unsuccessful relationships make things really difficult and make everything seem bad. So we can avoid those, but not without some effort on our part. So when relationships aren't working well, we are hurt and we tend to want to shut down or to explode and be done with the relationships altogether. So any of you, I'm sure you've said before or heard your friends say, not doing a relationship again, not doing a boyfriend, not doing a girlfriend, not getting married again, not doing kids. Nope, I'll only do pets, right? And then maybe you get a bad pet and then you feel really betrayed there. So we can really, truly avoid bad relationships, but we can't avoid relationship. So the relationships that, that are, are difficult are the ones that are relationship without intimacy. So what's the difference between relating and intimacy? Well, the second foundational truth here is that there is this basic need to know someone and be known by someone. This is intimacy, to be known and to know someone. Now, there are levels within intimacy, and the deepest hurts happen usually when someone who we thought knew us turns out to not have known us at all. And that is one of the biggest, most crushing blows that humans can have. So if we're mistaking relating with intimacy or we're having to deal with and manage the fact that someone doesn't want to know me, then we end up wanting to be counter-dependent, which means we want to avoid intimacy. So Webster's uh, Dictionary defines relate, the word relate, as to tell the story of or narrate or connect, as in thought or meaning, or to have some connection or relationship to. So the general definition can mean anything from relating to the waitress at the coffee shop to what should be my most intimate relationship, relating to my significant other or spouse. So intimate is defined as most private or personal. It's very close, very familiar, deep and thorough. So these are vastly different experiences, although relating can give you a taste of intimacy Because when I relate to somebody, we automatically feel a little closer. So the most meaningful and healing relationships must have intimacy. So we can have a lot of relationships on a multitude of levels. Doesn't necessarily mean we have intimacy. So in my practice, I work at dispelling the myths that people create for themselves, saying they're quote-unquote done with relationship and they're not going to do them in the future. Well, the choice is not whether or not to have a relationship. The choice now is whether or not to have a positive, intimate relationship with others. So if you don't put the work into it and take the risk to develop positive and intimate relationships, you'll be left with negative relationships void of intimacy. And I'm telling you what, that hurts a lot more than just being vulnerable enough to try intimacy with a healthy person. So while I have to decide, will I choose to relate positively with intimacy or will I attempt to avoid relating only to get negative relationships that are void of intimacy? This ends up hurting far more 
than putting the work into positive relationships. Because again, relationship is unavoidable. And, it, and trying to avoid it is a feeble attempt at self-protection. It just doesn't work. So as we talk about these different types of dependencies, I want you to begin to make choices, maybe to educate yourself even more, about how can I do my relationships with intimacy, knowing I will get hurt, but the hurt won't be nearly as bad as the hurt we have when we're lonely. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about relationships. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much. And I'm hoping that you have checked out the new website. I am so excited about it. And I am telling you what, Christy is the woman that made this, oh my gosh, this amazing website for me. So I hope you check it out and enjoy it as much as I have. She really did a great job. So we are talking this last segment here about codependency, and that it is a relationship disorder. That's what we would call it, because it doesn't give you what you actually need when it comes to being dependent on something. And again, dependency isn't bad in and of itself. We depend on a lot of things. I depend on my car to work. I depend on the product I'm buying at the store to be actually what they said it was. I'm depending on, I don't know, gravity, right? I'm depending on if I go get an inoculation, don't we depend on the fact that it's supposed to work? So see, we have this issue of dependence that just is in the DNA of our world. What we want to make sure we're doing is we're doing dependence in a healthy way, which means that I first have interdependence with myself, that I can depend on me. And that's critical. Because when I can depend on me, and I'm okay with me, and I know me really well, I will better gauge how close I want to be with another person. So I won't go all in the first night I meet them. I will give myself some time. So codependency is this chronically pervasive issue in America. And it's kind of a cultural phenomenon. So if you're an American... I have to tell you, you're probably also codependent in some way. See, as a nation, we have this epidemic need to please. I mean, if we look at even our foreign policy, and this is obviously not a political show, but we have a hard time saying no to countries that make requests of us, and we tolerate a double standard. What other nations expect of us is not necessarily what we can expect from them. We always seem to have to play nice and fair, even if other countries break the rules whenever they want. And we don't like people mad at us. These things, this type of codependence makes us weak, makes us very vulnerable. And so what happens is it transcends our personal relationships, how we interact and relate to others. Codependency affects the way we handle rejection or approval, affects how we see our self-identity, our self-worth. It's tied very closely to other people's opinions or their responses to us. 
The person that struggles with codependency is an adult, is a person in an adult relationship trying to meet all the needs of the other person with this hope that maybe they'll give it back to me. But even if they don't, I keep giving it to them. And they have a tendency to try to be whatever the other person needs them to be. So if I can just figure out what you want and I can be that person, then maybe I won't be rejected. And so this is why it's so very deceptive. See, because at first codependency, it might not seem like a really big deal. And in fact, it might feel like we're doing the right thing. It might feel like we're being nice, like because we initially, we pour ourselves out into well-meaning, in well-meaning ways for the other person. And so we think maybe we're, we're giving and being loving. But when we struggle with codependency, we don't know when to stop giving. And if we don't get it back, we have a tendency to think it's because we did it wrong. And so we keep giving more. And we give and we give and we give ourselves away until maybe there's nothing left. And then we're an angry person, a hurt person, a person that can't trust. And that makes relationship even more difficult. See, isn't it true, after all, that God says there's no greater love has a man than this, than he laid down his life for his friend? Well, what does that really mean? We know people in the military are willing to do that. Are you willing to lay your life down for your friend? What if the friend is you? Are you willing to lay down your need for something in order to be meeting the best need of yourself? So this is where we struggle with when we have addictions. I say to people, are you willing to lay your life down for you? Which means you might have to give up that substance in order for you to live. And this is why this is such a very powerful phenomenon. See, the enemy wants to pervert what God has made healthy and good. And the enemy wants to make it into this disastrous, chronic, and unhealthy way to relate to others. And it leaves us with exhaustion and burnout. And it produces no life-giving fruit. So I love this verse in Proverbs fourteen twelve, and it says, there is a way that seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man to a person, to a woman. But in the end, it leads to death. So codependency can feel really right. It feels well-intentioned. It feels like we're an unselfish person. But we give and we give and we give. And we don't get the respect that we deserve. And so we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting it to get a different result. So what are the roots maybe of codependency. Well, from early stages of child development, this is from the age of zero to 12. This is when children learn to depend or attach themselves to their primary caregiver. It's dependency. And that needs to happen. So if you know anyone that has adopted children that have been in child protective services, and if they are older than just an infant... It's difficult to help that child attach to them and depend on them. So if dependency is accomplished well, then the child is able to completely depend on the caregiver to meet his needs 100%, while also not having to think about or meet the needs of the caregiver. 
So if I'm able to appropriately depend on my parents, then I don't have to think about whether or not they're getting their needs met. See, this goes back to the very beginning of this uh, entire show when I was talking about a therapist with, a, with their patient. See, I'm wanting that patient to be dependent. I don't want them to be dependent forever. I will work them out of it for sure. But they need to be able, if they've been hurt, if they've been harmed, if they've been rejected, they've been abandoned in any way. They need to have what we call an object constant. So they need to have someone that shows up, is the same for the most part, fixes mistakes if they make them, is humble enough to say, hey, I didn't do that right, can I, can I try it again? And that causes that person to be able to actually get their needs met. And the goal then is that they arrive as a grown-up and they don't need to depend on someone. That they actually can allow for interdependency, which means two are better than one. So when that's accomplished, then we move toward in- independence. Now, independence means that I, I've established an ability to trust me. So if I ha- have had good dependence, then I can move toward independence. And independence means, hey, mom, I can take the car and I can go to the grocery store for you. That's independence. Now, that doesn't mean that I own the car, right? But it means that I get to try some things that my caregivers might have always done for me. The whole point of this is moving toward interdependency. And this means that if I'm interdependent, I can rely on someone else for my needs to be met because it's convenient pleasurable. Maybe it's even mutual. And if that person withdraws or cannot meet the needs at any point, I'm still going to be okay. That's the interdependency. So unfortunately, no parent or caregiver is fully able to meet a child's needs perfectly during this dependency stage because we're mistake-making humans. So without going off on too big of a tangent, This is where it's really important. If any of this is really striking you, if you are thinking, hey, this this is me, this sounds like me, then what I want to encourage you to do is to understand that you really can heal from this. If you didn't have a good caregiver that you could depend on in a healthy way, and it has led you into what we would call some maladaptive coping skills, then you can heal from this. As the saying goes, babies have babies and we carry our inner child wounds right into parenting, right? So if we don't heal that little child within us, we will carry it into our adult relationships. There will always be ways our children need to heal from us and mistakes that they're going to need to forgive. But when we respond appropriately to what has hurt them, that causes them to then be able to continue to be interdependent with people. So don't allow the enemy to attack and accuse you. God is able to help us make amends for mistakes that we've made in our parenting, even when we have to forgive our own parents and as our children may need to forgive us. 
So if mom or dad failed, the little girl inside interprets that as a failure in herself. She might say to herself, if I was prettier, smarter, better, happier, if I was a good girl, they would love me. Maybe daddy would have been prouder of me. So this is where that little child gets thrown into codependency and learns at an early age to try to meet the needs of the caregiver, hoping that somehow it's going to come back to her. And somehow she'll get those unmet needs met. See, so once a child crosses over the threshold of grief, that means from those unmet childhood needs to adulthood, this is when they want to redo their adult relationships. So this is the important part of saying, wow, this is a miracle that I can heal from codependency. So when I get my dependency needs met by God as an adult and not from others, that's a tremendous weight I take off of those other adults in my life. And I am able to then learn to be independent of and healthfully interdependent with others that I have appropriate expectations on my friends, my families, uh, my boss, my neighbors, right? Anyone that, that I depend on, doctors, I can have an adult perspective that says, you know what, that's, that's not okay. From one adult to another, that's unacceptable. Or I can say, you know what, hey, he's just human. I can give him a pass. So this is how God breaks the cycle of codependency. He gives me the approval, belonging, and acceptance I desperately need, but maybe can't get from other people. He gives me a healthy identity in order to have healthy intimacy with him and others and to be able to do what God has truly created me to be. Otherwise, I'll be searching outside myself for approval, validation, security, direction, whatever else I feel I need from others. So this gives others an unhealthy and inordinate amount of power over me. And it has them determining whether or not I'm okay from any given moment to the next. So I want you to really be truly you and to understand boundaries, to understand interdependency, codependency, counterdependency, and to know that dependency is not the, not the enemy. That's not the bad thing. It's how I do it. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging motivating and inspiring to you the messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you the listener with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated 
and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.